Welcome to Idaho Speakeasy. We're on a mission to uncover and share the stories of Idaho's finance entrepreneurs, community leaders, local icons, and those who are impacting our community. I'm Mike Turner, and today in the Speakeasy, I'm joined by Susan Suzanne McIntosh. Suzanne is the president and the founder of Percolator Fund, and she's here to tell us more about it. Welcome, Suzanne. Thank you, Mike. It's a pleasure to be here. So the Percolator Fund, what is that? We are a recently launched nonprofit here in Boise. Um, we launched in 2017, and it was born out of our desire to see um, better employment outcomes for people with disabilities here in the Treasure Valley. Okay, wow. Um, and and so, what what do you what's the kind of the mission of this this fund? Like, how are you? Well, I mean, I can read you the mission statement. Okay, all right. <laughs> so um, the official mission statement of the Percolator Fund is um, that we're a nonprofit organization advocating for people with intellectual and developmental disabilities um, by working to percolate meaningful, inclusive, and skilled employment opportunities in the coffee industry. Okay, so coffee industry, interesting. Um, why, how and why did you choose the coffee industry for this endeavor? I love coffee. Okay. I've loved coffee since I was a little child. I um, should have offered you a coffee when yeah. you walked in. Well, you I'm gave sorry. me water. The water is what we okay. need right now anyway. <laughs> we don't want to get jittery. Um, but I, coffee is, has been a big part of my, my life, my family culture um, since I was a young child. I remember, okay. you know, and, and people often talk to me about coffee being um, a, an important part of getting through college or sitting down with friends, um, gathering for meetings. And, you know, to me, coffee is all about people. And so um, when I took some time off to raise my family, I put aside my career um, that I had been working on. And um, when I finally got back into the workplace uh, after about 12 years, um, my first job back into the workforce was in the coffee industry. And it was a complete turn from where I had been previously. And ever since that um, entree back into the workforce through coffee, I've just fallen more in love with coffee. Hmm. And, and so tell me about this. Uh, you know, this is a kind of a mission to help those with disabilities get employment. And you're using this coffee industry as, as a vehicle for that. But um, but what's what? Let's talk about you know people with disabilities and, and this whole employment thing because as this is a a realm that not a lot of people understand or know about. Sure, sure. Um, people with disabilities um, back when I was going through um, elementary school and um, being you know ever being raised as a kid didn't have access to the broader community. Um, and then in 1990. Um, the Americans with Disabilities Act was um, signed into law by George H.W. Bush. And what that did was that opened up public places, transportation, and employment to people with disabilities. Prior to that, it would be unusual for people to see anybody with a physical disability or an intellectual disability uh, you know, integrated fully into their community. Um, so people were segregated in, in their educational environment, in their work environment, and many people really made their way out of the house much more rarely than we see right now. Um, 
since then, you know, there have been other laws that have been passed that increase access and guarantee access to education for people with any number of disabilities, whether they be physical, emotional, developmental, or intellectual. And so what you see now is that people who are um, just coming out of high school and college are quite used to having people with disabilities as members of their communities. And so they've, they've seen them in school and, um, and on the bus and in public places. And like I said, it cannot be emphasized enough that 30 years ago, what people were thinking was impossible and just too expensive for businesses to add ramps and all of this, you know, everything that we need to include people. We thought, you know, things are happening that we never thought would be possible. People with disabilities are contributing to their communities in ways that um, really have been quite astonishing. Yeah. And uh, it is, it's great to see that there's been progress here. How, but obviously there's still a lot of work to go. Sure. Right? And Absolutely. That's part, and it's part of why you guys are doing this, this percolator fund. Um, how big is the need uh, for finding employment and how, and how hard is that? Right. Through, through my um, time raising a child with a disability, I, you know, spent time looking around and seeing, you know, how great it was that people with disabilities were included in education. But I always um, wondered what happened after that. And so being somebody who tends to be a little analytical, um, I, I started de- you know, delving into the numbers and I realized that there's a certain segment of the population um, of people with disabilities that are seriously underutilized. Um, it's the people with developmental and intellectual disabilities. So that would be people on the autism spectrum that, need, that, that have difficulty with day-to-day living. Um, people with Down syndrome, people um, who have uh, other birth, uh, things that, uh, disabilities that are, they're born with that impact their functioning um, in, in the community. So in that category, 81% of those people, when they reach adulthood, do not have a paying job in the community. And that, that just, it broke my heart. I, it, it really did marry up with what I had noticed when I would be out in the, in the community, meaning a grocery store or, um, you know, field trips with kids, I would notice busloads of adults with disabilities, you know, in, in a segregated group with a few adults to guide them participating in community, but it really was in a very segregated and what looked to me a very unnatural way. Um, and so looking further into that, um, the people who are employed, so that 19% that do have jobs, 31% of those are in enclave-type jobs like that. Hmm. Sheltered workshops, work crews, and they make below the minimum wage. And okay. that's just devastating. Right. Wow. Yeah, those are uh, pretty shocking statistics. I mean, I thought, I mean, because we do see some of it, but um, but I think there's a the, the population of people with disabilities of some kind is much higher than I think many of us realize. Yeah. A lot of them are invisible. Yeah. Certain people, you can see I mean, physical disabilities, um, they're more apparent to people, but yeah. especially people with developmental disabilities and a lot of people with um, intellectual disabilities that don't have Down syndrome, um, they, they can be more invisible. And yet you see the unemployment rates. Um, it's, it's just, like I said, it's devastating. I can't think of a better word. Right. So uh, I understand you have some sort of partnership with Boise High. Tell us more about that. Sure. So three years ago, um, 
my my husband and I moved our um, youngest daughter with us um, to Boise, and um, we were taking a tour of Boise High School for a placement for our daughter, and we met with Natalie Lutz, and she is um, the department head of special education at Boise High, and she is the classroom teacher for students who need extended resources. So that's students who spend more than half their day in a resource room and um, and get adapted curriculum, basically. They're working on their own goals as opposed to working on the goals that are set out in the different, um, in the academic catalog. So I met with uh, Natalie and I handed her my business card so that she and I could get in touch um, while we do this transition. And she saw that I worked for a company called Furnace Hills Coffee. And she said, wow, what's that? And I said, well, you know, Furnace Hills Coffee is an organization um, in Westminster, Maryland, where the master coffee roaster is a woman with Down syndrome. And Natalie said, that sounds great. And then the next time I saw Natalie face to face, she she held out her hand to me and she said, Suzanne, I'm in. And at that time, neither of us really knew what exactly that meant. Um, but with the help of... Um, Dave Baldwin, the um, manager, the owner of um, Furnace Hills Coffee, and his daughter Erin, the master roaster, um, they helped us set up a small coffee operation in the extended resource room at Boise High School. Um, and I have to tell you, it was amazing because so many people, instead of saying, oh, you can't do that, here in Boise, it's like, how can we get thing, people or obstacles out of your way? How can mm. we help? Oh, cool. And coming from another city with a different culture, I have to say that that's one of the things that makes Boise very special. Mm. Um, so, you know, I went in prepared. We discussed it with administrators. Um, we worked with the students to develop a coffee blend using small countertop coffee roasters. They're very budget. Um, we do want to upgrade, by the way. But um, the students came up with their own blend of two coffee beans, and we did that by looking at flavor profiles and um, tasting the coffee. A lot of these students um, who are in the extended resource room and all the peer mentors that are in there had never had the opportunity to do coffee tasting. So we were brewing up um, coffee, and they were taking small tastes looking at the flavor wheel and trying to describe coffee. Hmm. And so that was an incredible vocabulary boost for, honestly, everybody in the room. Hmm. And um, it was a, there were a couple of students that stood out and really um, were quite excited about being able to um, utilize some of the words that describe um, coffee on the flavor wheel. And um, a couple of students that... Um, were instrumental in putting together what we now call the the Brave Friends Blend. So we have packaging and labels, and um, the students roast the coffee for a few hours a week as part of their curriculum, and um, then they we we market it. So we try to make the money back, the investment that we've made in the green beans, because that's the biggest expense. Okay. Wow, um, that's fascinating. Um, and so, um, where do you hope to go from here with this? Well, um, first, the first step really was to see how the Boise um, 
coffee project went yeah. and see how, how it was going to work in the school setting and how students in the extended resource room were going to um, respond. Right, because you had, you know, it was we a need, big experiment, yeah. Right, we needed to know whether there was going to be a positive outcome. Mm -hmm. So when we first, um, the first semester that we did it, we had two students. Um, so what they do is the students will commit to a job um, placement as a part of their um, their academic studies. And so they rotate every semester until they find something that they really like. Mm. And then they can, they have the option of sticking with that. So the first semester we, we started with two students. And then, um, since then we've done two students at a time. So we've impacted now a, a total of six students. So, um, looking back, uh, I spoke with Natalie and I sat down together this week and just, um, went over what we felt were the, um, outcomes of the project. And she said that, Five out of the six um, were, were really Im impacted positively mm -hmm. out of the program. The one, there were a variety of factors in the student's academic um, background and you know outside factors that made it not a great fit. So um, that didn't work out. But the other five um, have been, they've seen impacts everywhere from a student's ability to attend to task increase from three to four minutes to 15 to 20 minutes oh, wow. because of roasting coffee. And it, and they have seen that start to transfer into the general academic setting. So when the student is included in general academic courses, the 15 to 20 minute, um, attention span is, is being documented. And I remember working the first time working with this particular student, um, attention was difficult he could do 30 you know like the three minutes but that three minutes was a painful three minutes mm -hmm. so um and then when you see when a student is able to achieve that kind of a change their confidence improves significantly um so this particular student i don't foresee moving on to a career in coffee but what this project has done for him is undisputably a positive thing. Right. And maybe open the door for some sort of employment or a positive outcome in his life. Yeah. yeah. And then we've also had two other students that I could see being potential roasters. We've got a coffee nerd in the making in one of our students. Um, <laughs> we have another potential um, coffee uh, entrepreneur. Oh. Um, that loves to roast, loves the details, and every time the student is out in the community is constantly pointing out potential markets mm. for the coffee. So I, um, this, this particular child is very, very interested in, in entrepreneurial. Cool. And we've even had one, and like you said, what, what's next? Um, we've had one student who was incredibly positively impacted, um, but unfortunately could not stay in the extended resource room over at Boise High. So um, she needed to be moved to another setting because of um, a, the particular aspect of her disability made it so that a smaller setting was, you know, without the, um, the large school campus was a more desirable setting for her. Um, but um, so she is still in an extended resource room in another program and they want to bring in coffee. Mm. So um, I just got off the phone this past week with Dave Baldwin out um, at Furnace Hills Coffee and he and I are going to work with Natalie Lutz and this other program, it's called the Ascent Program. 
And in their extended resource room, we're going to do what we can. You know, the facilities have to be approved. They have mm. to have, you know, the right power and venting and, you know, all of that. So if we can get it into that facility, we will do our best to make that happen. Wow. And I'm, I'm right now I'm looking at the bag of your, of your roasted uh, beans here and the uh, Boise Brave Friends. Um, it's a, and so this is what they have been making in that, in that classroom and then offering for sale to the public. Well, um, because of the setting, it mm -hmm. is a school setting. Mm -hmm. Um, we do, we're more of a cottage business, so mm -hmm. we can't sell wholesale. Okay. Like we can sell word of mouth. We can have people sign up and subscribe to, to purchase during the school year, like, you know, a certain number of pounds or, um, of the students output you know, recognizing, of course, that the students don't roast when they're on winter break and they don't roast when they're on summer break. So, sure. um, but, and we can sell brewed coffee or we could sell to a coffee shop that then can brew them. So there's, th th we do have some restrictions just uh -huh. because of the, um, health codes. Sure. But still, I think it's uh, really cool that you do have this kind of final product though, that, that it's tangible and you can see what this work has gone towards and, um, I, I mean, I imagine not just the students, but the parents and everyone involved is, it's kind of, must be really satisfying to see that. Oh, it's, it really is amazing. I mean, coffee is, you know, getting back to how much I love coffee. There's something about what, you know, the students getting the opportunity to put their hand in the, the sack of green coffee beans and observe those green coffee beans and realize that something that they're going to do with those is going to turn that product which or that that raw material into a product that is as good as competitors mm -hmm. in the you know in in coffee around it's desirable family members friends i mean the coffee um the demand is huge and it's attractive it looks professional mm -hmm. so I, it does it's um and I don't know I, like i said there's something very special about coffee i don't know that you, that the students would have the same experience with other commodities mm. you know tea i don't know i don't right. know i would love to see and i've seen this and i can tell you stories about other organizations and other incredible transformational stories that happen through coffee i would like to know if there's somebody out there who would just kind of try to figure out what is it that makes coffee so special yeah no it's a um it is interesting how it kind of crosses over so many people and, and our, our culture so much and I think it makes it fun because it's so identifiable. Um, there's a lot of different projects you work on, but everyone's familiar, even if they don't drink a lot of it, of coffee. And there's one on every street corner just about. Um, Absolutely. And so uh, anyway, I think that's really cool. What is your biggest challenge now going forward? You've got, you know, you, you created this fund. You found a way to get it in the school. It's, it's, it's got some, uh, a little bit of momentum now. Um, what is your biggest challenge today? Sure. So, um, you know, basically the percolator fund was established to make it so that, um, we could create a funding stream to support growing what we have going over at Boise high. And we've got not only the ascent program, but other programs around in just in Boise school district, and then across the treasure Valley that want to give their students and the adults that they work with opportunities to work in coffee hmm. just not like i said not only is it the hard skills in coffee that potentially could translate into a coffee industry job but it's also you know self-discipline um self-confidence 
um, you know, all those intangibles and soft employment skills that you want people to gain. So we would love to have a, a facility outside of Boise High School mm-hmm. to be able to, to open up those doors to have students um, and adults who are underemployed with emotion or um, intellectual and developmental disabilities job sample at a standalone facility. So we feel that, you know, we're showing that there's enough of a, um, of a track record that shows positive outcomes that we're ready to open up the doors and make that um, possibility. But the number one obstacle is, is funding and the logistics of getting it done. Yeah. You know, we need to find a space and we need to fund this. Um, mm-hmm. You know, like our, our three prong approach with the percolator fund is um, to, you know, do the skill development with, for the coffee industry. And then the other thing is to advocate within the coffee industry to say, hey, you know, your business will be improved if you, um, em- you know, employ people with disabilities. And we haven't even got into that because there's so many, um, there's so much proof out there that hiring people with disabilities improves um, business outcomes. Hmm. And I would love to talk with you about that. But, but the third thing is then to be a resource for the, for the um, industry by designing um, training materials that are universally uh, designed so that people with and without disabilities can understand a process just with a real quick visual, sort of like the hand washing thing that you see in a bathroom. Right. So, you know, you can do any process in coffee and design um, visual training materials. Well, and let's talk about it because you touched on it. Um, For all the people who are business owners who might be listening to this Mm -hmm. and who do not understand, you know, the, what, all the things that go into hiring somebody with disabilities help, you know, please share what you can, you can about what that, what that does and what you know about that process. Sure. Sure. Um, well there, I can tell you of, of, of one particular example here in Boise, um, uh, Java and Hyde park, they are, you know, a meeting place that has been around an institution in Hyde park. Um, and they have, currently two women with down syndrome working with them part-time and um, i sat down and i spoke with matt roy the manager over at java hyde park and also had casual conversations with two other baristas dusty and shyla who were there and um they all agree that having um these two women uh, come into the shop to work their jobs is good for employees for their morale uh, customer satisfaction, loyalty, and, you know, it helps create that genuine coffee, you know, that genuine coffee house, neighborhood coffee house feel. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, that's one example. And I know, and I've worked, um, Java Hyde Park has partnered with, um, the percolator fund to help us with raising awareness and fundraising and all of that. So they believe in this project a hundred percent. And, um, you know, Matt says that it has, absolutely improved their bottom line so to have mm-hmm. these these young women they're they're worth their wage and and more um so they they share in tips and all of that so um anyhow the the reason why i bring up that particular example is because it you know we have seen it work in boise mm-hmm. but um you know if you look more broadly um if the institute for corporate productivity um, is a sort of a best practices organization. They work with the highest, um, uh, the most productive organizations in the country. 
and try to um, figure out what best practices will work um, to help improve performance. So they partnered with Best Buddies International to do a study on you know, what happens when firms hire people with disabilities. And um, so there's just an incredible amount of data that says that there was a, a statistical link between hiring someone with a disability and growth in revenue and market share and profitability mm. and customer satisfaction. Wow. So um, and then there was there were some obstacles. And um, and when they looked at were the obstacles, you know, greater than you anticipated or less. And across the board, people said that the obstacles were less. So, um, you know, it, I believe that the approach to what their study had more to do with um, supporting that employment internally as opposed to using um, an external um, agency to do job support. Um, so I know that some of those agencies and um, you know, some of the governmental programs, if, you, if you're in a situation where those programs would be in use, can sometimes create new obstacles. Mm -hmm. So, um, for instance, I know um, Furnace Hills Coffee in Westminster, Maryland, when I was working for them, found a great match. An individual with a uh, developmental disability that loved the shop, wanted to work there. But that particular agency that that gentleman was signed up for, for his work support, did not work at in that region. Mm. So... There, you know, they they refused to um, place him at the coffee shop, and ever, to everyone's great disappointment, he found a job in some other um, employment setting that the agency was already connected with. Hmm. So, um, you know, my right. my philosophy and that of Best Buddies International, their jobs program is to um, is to 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 you know job match. Yeah. Okay. As opposed to agency match. Okay. Right. That makes sense. Wow. Wow. This has been uh, extraordinarily uh, informative about not just learning about your new fund, the Percolator Fund, and what it's doing um, at Boise High and, and starting to potentially branch out into other spaces um, of getting uh, folks who have disabilities skills and uh, a pathway maybe to employment. And I think that's just a really cool idea. And I think it's, it's, it's fun to see kind of blossom here in, in Boise and and have people like yourself who are just like have these ideas and persevere to see them come to fruition. I think it's really cool. And I'm just to look at the final product of these beans and it's very professional looking packaging, as you said. It's really, I find it really uh, a cool, cool thing that you're doing. So. Yeah, yeah. That's that front label is Ward Hooper. Yeah, right. We that's commissioned that, um, that from him, and he he did a beautiful <laughs> job. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Well. Um, for people who want more information, um, they can go to percolatorfund.org. Is that correct? Correct. Um, and and so, any final words, um, Suzanne, about you want people to know about uh, the Percolator Fund before we run out of time? Absolutely. Um, we have a couple of events coming up. Um, September 9th, we will be doing a fundraiser over at the 
um, Red Robin at Park Center Drive. Mm. And then we have Kegs for a Cause that we're signed up for. We've got the last Sunday of the year, December 7th, or not Sunday, um, the la- December 17th, okay. the last Monday of the year. So um, we are, we're, we'd love to meet people, tell, you know, get people involved. We are also looking for um, people to get involved with um, helping us to make that expansion. We're a small, self-funded volunteer board. So right. Um, I think that, you know, with the increase in demand for what we're doing, we could really use some help to take this to the next step financially and um, logistic support. Right. All right. Well, uh, I'm going to put more information about what we've talked about here on our website, idahospeakeasy.com, but also uh, go to percolatorfund.org to get more information about uh, this organization that Suzanne's part of and Thank you for coming in um, and telling us all about it. It's been fascinating and I look forward to see where you continue to go with it. Great. Thanks, Mike. All right. Take care.